This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to an Ono Media podcast. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and today is a dog-themed episode, and there's both good and bad. So I offer a trigger warning for animal cruelty right off the bat. But first, let's get to the good doggos with this story out of Pennsylvania that has a suspected rapist and murderer of a New York woman behind bars for escaping a Pennsylvania prison after being charged with kidnapping an older couple and driving them to South Carolina and thieving from multiple other people. Okay, I know you didn't follow that sentence because I didn't follow it either. It's confusing, right? Because that's a lot of crimes covering three states and they're all wrapped up with one guy in one case. And I'm going to explain it to you. So let's get to it. All right, let's start with one of the victims in this case, 34-year-old Calla Mae Hodgkin. Well, she was the mother of three children, Callan, Kira, and Carter, and they lived in Jamestown, New York. That's located just over the border of the New York and Pennsylvania state line. Well, she loved being a mother and also connecting with nature, and those two things found her hiking and exploring and loving hard, giving probably more than a safe environment would suggest. And that giving most likely extended to her on and off again relationship with 35-year-old Michael Burham. Now, the two seemed to be complicated, and that complication included the sharing of Kira. So that's one of Kala's three children. Well, in the early months of 2023, Michael and Kala weren't doing well. And I don't know the status of their relationship at that time. It's obvious that they were communicating about their child, but I'm not sure how much was going on. But there's one thing for certain, that there was an aggressive altercation between the two. That attack on Kala led to Michael having an act of a warrant for his arrest for sexual assault, unlawful imprisonment, and endangering the welfare of a child. Now, I don't have details, And we probably don't even want to actually speak of them anyway, because for Calla's family, 2023 has become their toughest year yet. On May 11th of last year, investigators allege that Michael went on an unhinged crime spree. Okay, remember, Michael was already accused of raping Calla Hodgkin and endangering, presumably, his daughter. Well, it's alleged Michael showed up at Calla's home that night and shot her in cold blood. Neighbors heard the gunshots and they called police. But when the police arrived, Calla was pronounced dead and the investigative work truly began. Nearby, Michael was still on that crime spree. Ring doorbell footage shows Michael arriving at another woman's home on that night. And who knows what his intent was by visiting that home that night. Some are speculating he was trying to break in. 
I could see that that's a possibility after I watched the camera footage. But what is certain on that ring doorbell camera footage is Michael opens the screen door and he tapes something, maybe like a thin strip of plastic. Well, he tapes that to the door and then he walks away. Under his arm is a small fire extinguisher. He then closes the screen door and returns to the driveway where he sets a car on fire. Now, these two events on May 11th, well, they kick off an exhausting few weeks for investigators in the Jamestown area. They quickly identify Michael as the possible murderer of Kala, but then the ring doorbell footage comes forward and police absolutely have the ability to arrest Michael for that crime and also for the active warrants for the crimes from earlier in the year against Kala. But that is if they can find him, they can arrest him. The self-described survivalist has pretty much disappeared. Nine days later, police get a tip that leads them to believe that Michael is traveling south through Pennsylvania. See, a child of an 89-year-old and a 68-year-old reported that her parents were missing after the two parents didn't show up for their grandchild's soccer match. And it appears that the couple never even got a chance to leave their home to attend the event. That's because Michael who potentially is spooked by the media coverage of the car burning and of Kala's death, well, he decides to break into the home of the elderly couple, he steals supplies, he kidnaps the two at gunpoint, and then he heads south in their car with the couple in tow. And man, did they make good time, because just two days later, South Carolina police, okay, remember, they're traveling from Pennsylvania, South Carolina police find the couple abandoned in a cemetery, and they also find their car a short distance away in North Charleston. But Michael's nowhere to be found. They do have a note, though, that Michael has written to his father and left in the kidnapped couple's car. All right, in the note, he writes that he's not sorry for what he has done, but that he does feel terrible about the children. He then gives his father instructions about who he wants to adopt those children. He also wrote in the note that he had quit drinking on May 10th. Okay, does that date sound familiar? It's the day before someone gunned down Kala in cold blood, and also the day before footage shows Michael trying to enter a woman's home and then shows him burning her car. All right, let's clear up this note a bit. Remember, Michael has one child with Kala, and he has another child with another woman. So he's giving his dad clear instructions of who he wants to care for his kids. And we know from the previous arrests and the accounts by friends of Michael's that he has abused alcohol excessively in the past. So I'm just going to play armchair psychologist here. If you're leaving a note with only a few words scribbled on it, and it's basically presumed to be the last words you share with your father... If you then mention in that note, you quit drinking, I think it's a glaring admission that alcohol has caused a whole lot of problems in your life and you're trying to settle that with your dad. All right, just one day after finding the kidnapped couple and the note, South Carolina resident Anthony Phillips was walking his property line with his girlfriend and his Jack Russell Terrier named Sadie. Well, Anthony knew because of a sheriff's report that a fugitive was potentially in the area. So he was checking to see if the fugitive had been on his property. And good thing he did, 
because the three spotted a suspicious pair of shoes and shirt near one of the outbuildings. As they rounded the corner of the outbuilding, after finding the discarded items, Sadie, the good pupper that she is, she started growling. As they advanced further, they came upon Michael Burham, wrapped in a Tyvek sheet. Okay, that's a material that's used to waterproof and insulate the exterior of a building. And in the photos, it looks like the outbuilding was being wrapped in that Tyvek material. Okay, are you guys ready for Anthony's statement to local media about the encounter? Okay, here's what he said. The fugitive said he wasn't going to hurt anybody, and I just wanted him to leave, but I was too busy hollering at him. I didn't want him to get my old lady. (laughs) Well, ever the gentleman is Mr. Anthony Phillips, and during the hollering and the protecting of his old lady, Michael left. He went scurrying off into the wooded area surrounding the home. Well, Anthony took his dog, Sadie, and his girlfriend inside, and he called 911. Well, it didn't take deputies more than five minutes to arrive at Anthony's house, and not more than two hours later, Michael was captured in the Francis Marion National Forest. He was charged with kidnapping, recklessly endangering another, burglary, and terroristic threats. He was being held on a million-dollar bond, which he did not pay. So that meant jail time until all of his hearings were taken care of and until trial, if it made it that far. But it didn't. On July 6th, that's five weeks after being captured in South Carolina, the searching for Michael began again. Because this time, he had escaped the Warren County Prison in Pennsylvania at around 1130 that night. Okay, what happened was Michael had fashioned a rope out of bed sheets. He climbed atop some workout equipment in the gym area and then hoisted himself out onto the roof. He then tied the roped together bed sheets to an anchor point on the roof and rappelled down the exterior wall. Now, all of this seems bizarre that it would even be that easy. Well, Michael, who, like I said, is a self-described survivalist, was always watching his surroundings. He had noticed the chain link fencing that spanned the roof line of the 40 by 40 workout area had a hole in it, and he took advantage. All right, due to his nimble and evasive attributes, the last time police were searching for him, U.S. Marshals get involved in the manhunt and take it very seriously. They're offering an award of $9,500 for his capture. And over the next two days, Authorities took the escapee even more serious because the U.S. Marshals relocate several family members of Kala. That's the woman, remember, authorities believe that Michael murdered and raped a few months prior to that. Well, investigators, they also believe that he might be still in the area, possibly receiving help from associates or friends. Well, shortly after Michael broke out of jail, a Jamestown couple contacted police saying, they believe the fugitive had broken into their home. Clothes were missing from the residence, and the couple's dog, named Sweet Pea, was found dead on the property. The couple was so sure of what clothes were missing that they were able to give authorities exact descriptions of the sweatshirts that were taken. You know, like the color and the size and the logo that was printed on the front and on the back? Well, at this point, the potential charges for Michael are adding up. And decades in prison, if convicted, 
is looking like a strong possibility. Well, all of this leads authorities to warn the residents in the surrounding counties to familiarize themselves with Michael's photo and also to report any potential sightings. They also say Michael should not be approached and that residents should call 911 if Michael is spotted. Not only were authorities warning the public, but they were using rapid DNA testing to confirm or rule out items that were being found by searchers. They were just trying to stay fresh on the trail that Michael's leaving. Okay, let me give you an example. Police found a backpack and a duffel bag hidden outside of Warren, Pennsylvania. Inside those bags were food, clothes, and then supplies that one could use to try and survive off the grid. So they went ahead and DNA tested that to determine if it was Michael's, and it was. Now, during this time, Michael's ex-girlfriend from four years prior was asked by WIVB4 if she felt that Michael could be committing all of these various crimes like the alleged rape and murder, destruction of property, and the escaping from jail and the kidnapping. Well, she said the Michael she knew wouldn't do those things. But she also said that she wasn't surprised that he had been able to avoid capture. She said he had knowledge of how to avoid being tracked. She also said he knew how to get rid of his scent and how to make diversion trails to mislead those tracking him. Now, the same girl verified the claims of alcohol abuse. She said when she initially met Michael, he was in the military and that he would drink all night with his buddies, get no sleep, and then sober up for maybe an hour and then head out and do a 10-mile run with no problem. She said he would make it to every drill and make all of his assignments even though he had an abuse problem. And according to her, this wasn't the first time that Michael had evaded the law. She knew that he had once driven while intoxicated and crashed that car he was driving, and then he fled the vehicle. She says police were never able to charge him with a crime in that situation. Well, nine days after Michael shimmied down the jail wall, he was captured when another protective pooch did some good work. This time it was a chocolate lab named Tucker, and he's such a good boy, because at about four in the afternoon, Tucker was barking incessantly, and his owners went to check out what could be upsetting Tucker. Well, when they went to the area of the property where Tucker was alerting, they found somebody who shouldn't have been there. When the homeowner asked the man what he was doing, he said he was just camping in the area. But this property owner had done what the police had asked, and he was familiar with what Michael looked like. Then the same scenario repeated itself. The homeowner called 911, and Michael hightailed it off into the woods. But at this point, Michael's outnumbered. Dozens of law enforcement officials are using ground searches, aviation, and canines, and they're establishing a wide perimeter. And again, just like the first time they tracked Michael through the woods, it took only two hours before he was apprehended by authorities. So all of this was happening in July, and here's the update. Following his guilty plea in November, on Friday, a Warren County, Pennsylvania judge sentenced Michael to serve 25 to 50 years and then possibly even more. Okay, I know that sounds really random, but let me explain. Michael was sentenced for only the kidnapping, terroristic threats, recklessly endangering another person, burglary, escape, and theft. 
So the sentences match the charges like this. Michael was sentenced to three and a half to seven years in prison for his July escape from jail. So that was separate. And then he was sentenced to 12 years and eight months up to 43 years and four months for the kidnapping case and the terroristic threats and other things. Okay, all of that combined, Michael will serve anywhere between 25 years to 50 years. And you need to keep in mind, they haven't charged him with the murder of Cali yet. So if charged and convicted, these amounts would obviously go higher. Judge Gregory Hammond emphasized during the sentencing that Michael was a grave threat to the public. He told Michael that he knew he would do anything to anybody to maintain his freedom and that everybody in the community changed the way that they lived due to Michael's actions. Now, I wish the coverage of this case provided possibly more information about Kala, and I would love to have more information about the kidnapped elderly couple. But you guys, I get it. Sometimes families just need to protect themselves. One thing's for certain, we can be so grateful for Tucker the Chocolate Lab and Sadie the Jack Russell Terrier for being the best they could for their humans on those days. All right, you guys, here's where the animal stories go really bad. So just a warning for you. Okay, on to Georgia, where a real estate agent has been arrested for abandoning 14 dead dogs in her Grovetown, Georgia home. Now, I will spare you some of the gruesome details here, but the neighbor of 41-year-old Margaret Neville's called the police on Thursday because she was worried that she had seen no activity at Margaret's home for several months since October. Now it's January. She barely called authorities and it's a good thing she did. When investigating officers visited the property, they found a nightmarish scene. Police could see through the windows, just horrible living conditions feces covered the floors, and furniture was destroyed throughout the home. Officers could also see a very ill and emaciated dog wandering the residence. Well, the team forced their way into the home after trying to reach Margaret, the homeowner, and when they received no answer, they just had no choice, but they had to go in. Well, when they got in the house, they found 14 dead dogs throughout the home, some of them in the freezer. One spare bedroom had ruined furniture and empty dog cages. And the very ill pit bull, well, that scene revealed that he had been left unattended for weeks and that the dog had chewed his way through the wall separating the garage from the kitchen. All right, the mystery deepened for investigators when they found one bedroom within the home completely untouched and clean. It appeared to be a preteen or teen's room, and that spotless room still has not been explained. Well, Margaret worked in a neighboring county, and when officers showed up at her real estate office the next day to question her, she said she had been staying at a friend's house and that she just let the situation at her own home overwhelm her, and she had to abandon the dogs. Now, that statement that came from the sheriff's office well, it doesn't really explain how Margaret feels that putting dogs in a freezer equates to abandoning the dogs. Now, Margaret was arrested and she was charged with one felony of animal cruelty. Cam, really, I'm very unclear. I think that animal cruelty charge is probably for the pit bull that is still alive. 
I'm guessing there's going to be additional charges in this case. Now, she is currently free on a $5,000 bond, and I do have good news. The very sick and starving pit bull was taken to a veterinary clinic and is expected to make a full recovery. And finally today, another not-so-great animal story, so warning. This one's out of Florida. Back in August... An animal-loving and pet-owning couple out of Lakeland had a heartbreaking day when within hours, their two cats, Pancake and Luna, began foaming at the mouth. The symptoms escalated to choking, and then the two cats couldn't breathe. Both cats died after experiencing significant pain. Now, the couple, who were clearly wrapped up in the commotion of the violently sick cats, Well, they weren't keeping tabs on their pregnant Chihuahua, Daisy. When they realized they hadn't seen the small dog for a bit, they started calling her name and searching. That's when they discovered Daisy and her eight unborn puppies were dead. Now, there's no way that this could be just a really bad luck day for the two. So they immediately got the authorities involved. They told police that their neighbor, 51-year-old Tamisha Knighton, could be the culprit for the deaths of the three animals. See, Tamisha allegedly repeatedly threatened to poison the animals because she was mad that they kept entering her yard. Now, the couple also said Tamisha had yelled at their children as well when they were outside playing. And it wasn't just those previous threats. On the day the animals died, the couple said that Tamisha was walking along the fence line that the two shared, which really wasn't typical behavior for her. The couple also said that Tamisha had offered up advice when the couple could see one of the cats choking. Tamisha allegedly said to the couple that the cat must have swallowed a frog and that maybe that was why the cat was in distress. Well, investigators actually acted quickly in this situation and searched the property owned by Tamisha where they found a styrofoam bowl with what looked to be canned chicken and a dark fluid mixed together. When asked about the bowl, Tamisha told investigators that she doesn't use styrofoam. But cops searched her pantry, and they found both styrofoam bowls and canned chicken. Then cops took it a step further, and they reviewed camera footage from Tamisha's home. That's right. Her own cameras caught her placing the bowl on the ground while wearing plastic gloves. Now, it's probably important to tell you here that Tamisha, well, she's a nurse, and she would have access to plastic gloves and possibly poisonous materials. Now, the press release by Polk County says that Tamisha denied any involvement, and Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd explained it this way. He said Tamisha, despite all evidence to the contrary, repeatedly denied killing her neighbor's pets, even telling the detectives that she's a nurse and had too much to lose. Then the sheriff said the following, Well, guess what? These people lost their beloved pets in a most horrific way, and she lost her freedom by going to jail. It takes a cold-hearted person to poison and kill two cats and a pregnant dog. It's hard to imagine how a person in the medical field could do such a thing. Well, testing of the poison showed that the chicken was laced with forate. Okay, that's a pesticide found in insecticides. And even though Tamisha hasn't said she did it, she has finally admitted to putting the chicken out for the pets to eat. 
She has been charged with three felony counts of animal cruelty and one count of depositing poison in a public area. All right, that's your Monday episode of Rise and Crime. And thank you for today's case suggestions and a couple that I'm working on for next Monday's episode. They're they're very interesting. You're not going to want to miss it. And did you see the new update to Oh No Media's content? Peyton, well, she has a new podcast. Look for Into the Dark podcast with Peyton Moreland. It's just one of several upcoming surprises to Oh No Media. You guys, thank you for all the support on the various platforms, especially, let me tell you this, if you love what you're hearing, I would love for you to tell a friend so we can, we can build this podcast even bigger. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.